pray for a supernatural peace to fill this place. I pray for a supernatural peace, Father God, to rest on our hearts. I pray for a supernatural joy to come into this place, no matter what we have been facing. I pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, even for our uh, city and for our nation, Lord, we've seen this tremendous hurt and wreckage, Father God, and we see 20 people in the Walmart, Father God, lose their life, and it's chaos right now. And I just pray, Father, that we would be a church that rises up in these occasions, that we don't run away from the pain and the hurt in the world, but this is why you put us here is so that we could help those. So Lord, I pray for every church in El Paso, Texas. I pray for every church in Dayton, Ohio, that they would see this not as an opposition, but as an opportunity to bring joy to people who are hurting. I pray for family members and sisters and brothers and parents who lost someone significant to them right now because of a tragedy and someone doing something so insane. We know, Father God, you love the victims, and we know for, it's hard to believe, but you also love the shooter. And we can't, uh, we can't uh, wrap our minds around why there's so much evil here. But one thing we know, Father God, is there's pain right now. And Lord, we need your joy in the midst of pain. So as a church right here, I pray that it would remind us, Father, in Pontiac and Livingston County, that this may be happening in other states, but there's a whole lot of spiritual stuff happening in our city. And I pray that we would not buckle now, but this would be the moment where the authentic church rises up and says, no, if anything, the enemy, what he meant for harm, we will rise up and we will do good. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. I pray for faith, because, Lord, the longer we live in fear, the more we get pushed back. And so I pray right now for a spirit of faith. I pray for healing for people in El Paso and Dayton. And I pray, Father God, that you would allow us as a church to do whatever we can to help the hurting in our town, in our county. And we thank you for it. Thank you for everyone who's gathered here right now in this place. Lord, they made it here. They made it here for a reason, and I believe you're going to speak to them today. And if you believe it in Jesus' name, give him some praise that he is worthy for. Come on. Thank God. He is such a good God. Before you take a seat, I want you to take a, a couple moments. Give a few people a high five. Let them know you're actually glad they're here. It's good seeing you. Give them a high five. Take your seat. I want to take, I want to take a couple minutes of your time real fast uh, to keep you informed what's happening in our church. One of the things we started from the beginning is we realized that letting our church with knowing what's happening when things change or situations change, it's good because the enemy operates in dark spaces. And so the more that we let you guys know what's happening, we can eradicate the enemy trying to come in and tell lies and stuff like that. And so uh, there's some transition happening in our church. And so I wrote this down. I want it to be very detailed, so I'm going to read from this because I don't want to stray away from this because this has got good detail in here. And so I want to let you guys know what's going on. So I believe one of the best things we can do as a church is to keep you in touch and up to date with what is happening at Authentic. As some of you know, we have a student ministry called Tribe that is led by Jake and Alicia Cunningham. Two years ago, we sensed led to start a student ministry, and Jake and his wife Alicia felt the nudge to jump in and build a team. Since then, we have seen so many students come through Tribe. Nearly 200 students have come through Tribe since we started this. That we started. So that's awesome. 
And not just that, we've seen hands, handfuls of kids receive Christ after Jake has preached a message. And I think that's something that we should celebrate too, that people have made decisions to follow Christ. And so we are grateful for the blood, sweat, and tears Jake has put in the tribe. And starting this season, Jake has informed us that this year he will need to step away. And we want to let our church know we were in absolute agreement with him and his decision this season of his life. This isn't a moral failure or a falling out. This is a seasonal choice that we felt was on both of our heart. If you hear someone else say something different, be sure to go to the source before you believe anything else that someone says. Protect the church. Jake is a person where he's 100% in or 100% out. And in this season of life, he knew this coming year he wouldn't be able to give his best because of some priorities he wanted to make sure were taken care of first when it came to family. We are grateful for Jake and Alicia, and I know God isn't done with him. Jake has a very powerful gift that God wants to use for his glory. And Alicia has a huge heart for young women knowing their identity in Christ so that they can give their heart to him. So what does that mean for tribe? Tribe was actually going through some changes before Jake decided it was time for him to hand off the baton. One thing our tribe students love about tribe are the groups they meet in at the end of the night. We noticed this and decided to theme our student ministry moving forward around groups. So this group season, starting in September, we will be launching student groups for those 6th to 12th grade. These groups will be led by some of our current tribe leaders as well as other leaders who may be in here right now. We believe would be a good fit to lead our students. They'll be background checked. They'll be secure. It'll be a safe thing. We promise. These groups will have a lot of similarities of our other groups with a couple changes to help engage with students. We don't want to jump the gun and just throw someone into this role right away, but eventually we will have student groups with tribe nights four to five times throughout the year. So we'll have four theme nights, going to dark dodgeball, worship, and a message happening four times a year, but otherwise they meet in groups. But otherwise we want to get our students acclimated into our weekend experiences because this is their church too. And as you know, Gracie's back there on the lives. We love you, Gracie. Appreciate you. We see other students serving in this church. So what do I do if I have a kid at Tribe? In a few, uh, sorry, in a few weeks, we will launch our sign-ups for fall groups. When that happens, you can find a student group that best fits your student needs and get them signed up. If you're a student who is capable of doing that, you can do it yourself as well. Also, current Tribe students will be contacted by the leaders to help them shuffle into the right group as well. We truly believe the best is yet to come with our students, and these steps are going to help create a place where our students can open up and talk about, discover, and walk out their faith. If you have any questions about these transitions, please feel free to email us at info at authenticil.com. Info at authenticil.com with tribe in the subject line. Can we thank God one more time for everything he's done through Jake and Alicia? We appreciate them. Please be praying for Jake. He wants the weekends off. I know some of you want weekends off too. We'll be praying for you as well. He wants the weekends off where he can be involved. He works every weekend. So uh, he loves you guys. He just said, pray that I get the weekends off. That's what, he's, that's what he's praying for. So very cool. Well, we're glad that you guys are here. Um, we're going to go into the message right now. And I'm so excited with what God has put on my heart for our church. We just finished James series. We're starting a new series next week called Mystery. I would tell you what it's about, but then... It wouldn't be a mystery. So mystery starts next week. You're not going to want to miss it. But this week, we, we created space for 
God to speak what he wants to speak. And Monday night, he spoke to your pastor at his home, and he led me to a message that I believe is going to encourage us as a church on why we do what we do and why it's important to follow God's instructions. And so we're going to be in 1 Kings. Uh, it's an Old Testament, 1 Kings 17. It's a, kind of like midway through the Old Testament, maybe a little bit before that. Uh, we're going to look at that. And real quick, I want to give you context of what's happening in the story before we just jump in, because sometimes we don't understand. We're going to talk about Elijah like we did last week. If we remember last week, Elijah, and if this is your first time, by the way, you don't remember last week, we're still glad you're here. I'll get you up to date. So uh, let's get up for our first time guest, by the way. We're glad that you're here. We really are. So Elijah... Uh, he was a prophet called by God. A prophet is someone was God's microphone. He was a messenger of God. And Israel, God's people were being wicked, and King Ahab was a wicked king. So Elijah shows up and lets him know God's going to stop the rain for three and a half years. Why? Because you are worshiping the god Baal. Baal was the agricultural god. So they would worship uh, Baal because they believe he brought the rain in agriculture. And so sometimes God has to stop the rain so we stop following God's to get us focused on the one true God. And so he says for three and a half years there'll be no rain and it stops. And remember Elijah prayed for this but Elijah had to live in it too. So God stops the rain. Three and a half years later he prays and it comes back. But in the middle of that Elijah was living through it. But how many people know that when God gives you obedience or he gives you plans, he will provide for you in the middle of whatever you go through? Even though he prayed and it was a drought and a famine, how many people know that if you are following God's plans, it doesn't matter if it's a drought or a famine or a hard time, God will always bless you in the middle of what's hard. And so he was following God's leading and he went to a brook. God said, go to this brook. And in the brook, there'll be water, a stream of water. And every day, I will bring ravens to you to bring food. The, the first delivery system, right? Like, the ravens were coming in, bringing him food. And shortly, the brook dried up. And as the brook dried up, God gave him instructions on what to do next. Sometimes I say this, where God guides, he often provides. We've heard that. I also believe that where God doesn't provide, he often guides. The brook dried up, and God said, now it's time to go. Maybe there's some things drying up in your life and God's trying to redirect you into some situations. This is where we take off. The brook dried up. He's in drought. He's going to get hungry and thirsty. And in verse 8, it's a long scripture, but go with me. It's going to be good. It says this, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little, cook, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally, he died. Then he, she said to Elijah, Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. 
He took the child's body from her arms, carried him up to the stairs of the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. I mean, the food was one thing, that was cool and all, but after this, I know that you are a man of God. The name of this message is called, Did You Get the Memo? Did you get the memo? Lord, I pray right now by your spirit's power that you would speak to us. Lord, I thank you for everyone who gathers here today. I pray that we are here for a word, whatever that word is. If it's challenging, if it's encouraging, if it's uplifting, if it's inspiring, whatever that word is, I pray that we would say, what do you have for us? And I pray, Lord, that we would not just listen to the word, but that we would do the word. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them like you spoke to me Monday night because this is a powerful message and I am excited to share it, Lord. Thank you for always bringing fresh vision to us. And Lord, we pray for the bears. Help them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's thank God in this place. Let's give it up for our worship team. We appreciate you guys. Such a powerful time. I love being able to get filled up. I, I preach so hard because the worship team does such a good job. That's why they get me excited to preach. Um, so I'm going to let you guys know right off the bat, if you ever find yourself in a situation to play board games with me or yard games with me or any type of games, I just want to let you know now, I am not the most fun person to play games with. I'm just going to lay that out for you. Some of you people may be like, uh, why? Is it because you're super competitive? Uh, it's not that I'm super competitive. Do you get mean? I, I don't get mean. I don't think it's a mean thing, and I don't yell at people, and I don't think I'm a sore loser. I, I, I celebrate when people win. If I'm not the winner, I still celebrate. It's, it's not that. The reason why you might not want to play games with me is because I'm the instruction guy. <laughs> now, people laughing are like, we hate you kind of people. Like, right? Like, you're like, no, like I'm the, what does that mean? I'm the person that while you are playing, I'm slowly judging you. I'm not saying anything, but I'm judging you. And the whole time inside, I'm saying, did they even read the instructions? Dude, who, who's with me? Like you're watching people play. You're like, I don't think that's in the instructions, right? Like someone does something and you're like nonchalantly, but kind of loud. You're like, mm-hmm. See, what happened there was uh, you made that move, but when you get the sorry card, what actually is supposed to happen is you're supposed to go back home, right? Like I'm, the, like, I'm making sure that I'm the person that's like, did they even read the instructions? Like, it may be a competitive thing, but to me, I'm like, they didn't read the instructions. Like, have you ever played a game with someone and you know they didn't read the instructions? How aggravating is that? And they don't even know. They're like, oh, we just made our own rules up. Like, my family did it this way. I was like, well, your family is wrong. Your dad was wrong. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. I don't know why people don't want to play games with me. I don't get it. But I thought about that because I watched them. Like, did they even read the instructions? I, I look at this story, and I think in this moment, Elijah had a moment where she, he's like, did this widow get the instructions? Right? Did, did she get the memo? Right? Because look at what it said. When God called Elijah in 1 Kings, he said this in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. Everyone help me out. I have... One more time. I have 
a widow there to feed you. I've instructed her. Before you go, I want to let you know there's a widow. I've instructed her to feed you. Elijah shows up. She doesn't feed him. I mean, eventually she does, but right off the bat, I'd be like, what the heck? God, you told me to come here. You gave her the instructions, and he, she's like, I, don't, I swear by the Lord your God, we don't have enough food, we're going to die. Did she not get the memo? Did she not get, like, I think he was like, did she not read the instructions, God? Because you told me you instructed her. I'm trying to check here, I'm looking through here, and I think Elijah just be like, listen, did you get the instructions? And I think about that, but I think there's a lot of people in the church, and God and Jesus are sitting down looking at the church, and I think even a lot of pastors and some other leaders are looking at the church, and I think a lot of people in the world are asking the same question. Did they not get the instructions? Did those believers not get the memo? Now, I know there's a lot of different things we can talk about with that, but in this story, we're going to talk about what she dealt with, but I think sometimes people are going, did they not get the instructions? And there's a lot of people, I feel like, in the church today, worldwide, that haven't got the instructions that the widow got as well. They're like, okay, what was it? What was she instructed to do? The widow was instructed to serve Elijah. She was instructed to serve. I know right here, people, this is when they turn off. Their butt clenches and they want to head out. I get it. But listen, <laughs> I want to help you understand why we talk about serving so much as our church God instructed the widow to serve, and I want to let you know he's instructed us to do the same. And just in case you don't believe me, let me show you what Paul says in Galatians. For you have been called to live in freedom. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins. He did this. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, meaning don't be selfish. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You're like, oh, okay, well, one scripture. First Peter, now Paul says it, Peter says it too. It's always the P guys, right? First Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. All of us, right? God has given each of you. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. I am, Lord, in Jesus' name. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All the glory and power to him forever and ever. If you're praying for God to get glory, but you're not serving, you're stealing his glory. He says... Give glory. Why? When you serve, it gives glory to God. When you use the gifts he has given you, it gives glory to God. Like, okay, Sean, Peter says it. Paul says it. That's great. I'm looking for the red letter Jesus. Come on, what does Jesus say? You're challenging me right now. This Jesus says. What does Jesus say about serving? Well, first and foremost, we know in Scripture, Jesus talks about how he came to seek and save the lost, and he also served us. But there's a moment in Scripture where Jesus is ministering. He's healing. He's preaching. He's praying. He's casting out sickness and demons, and he's delivering the word of God, and all these miracles are happening, and these crowds are gathering. Everywhere he goes are crowds of people. I love when people are like, I don't like big churches. They're just entertainment. I'm like, Jesus had a crowd of people following him wherever he went. It was a crowd. Like, they, remember, they didn't have room enough to get in houses. I wonder he'd be like, Jesus, I just don't like this big crowd. He's like, you're not going to like heaven. Jesus says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion for those who are lost, making stupid decisions, not like a shepherd. He, he had compassion. Listen to what he said. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Ha! 
it didn't say serving. Gotcha. Listen, harvest, what he was saying was people. He said, quit praying for the harvest. They're everywhere. Everywhere you look, people are lost and need the grace of Jesus Christ. And that still is an effect today in Pontiac and Livingston County. Wherever you go, the harvest is great, church. Quit, quit praying for the harvest. God's like, it's out there. You know what we need to be praying for? Workers and laborers because we don't have enough of them. <laughs> Jesus said this. Look, I love. This encouraged me as a pastor. The best leader in the world didn't have enough volunteers. Hallelujah. Makes me feel good when we have a big vision for our church and we want to reach more people and we're like, if people would serve and step up, we could do more for the kingdom of God. Jesus himself was saying, pray for workers because we need more. I'm praying that for our church right now. I'm praying that we would understand that Christ has asked us to serve. Why? So we can take out, we can plunder hell and populate heaven. We are called to serve, but some of us are walking around and people are saying, did they get the instructions? So now... We know here's the instructions. We've been given instructions as followers of Christ. Like, Sean, I'm not a follower of Christ. We're glad you're here. If this is your first week here too, I just want you to sit back and be served, honestly. But if you've been coming for a while, this is messages for you to think about and pray over. God has given us clear instructions to pray for laborers, for workers, and to serve his kingdom. So why do we not do it? That's my heart. I always want to get rid of barriers on why people don't do it. And Jesus would do the same thing. But I'm going to look at this widow story on why maybe she didn't serve and she didn't get the memo. Why was she not being obedient first out? The first thing is this, lack. Lack. Man, lack screams loud. When we're down to nothing, it screams loud. When we don't have enough money, it screams loud. When we have not much to our name, it screams loud, so loud that we miss out on everything else because it's just anxiety, stress, worry. In the story, Elijah comes up to her and says, hey, get me a little bread. He goes, can you go get me a cup of water? She's heading to get a cup of water. And he goes, and get me a little bread too. And then he hit a nerve. She's like this in verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left, a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug, and it says, I'm going to cook this. It's going to be my last meal, and then me and my son will die. Can you go back to verse 12 real fast? I love this. It says here, I swear by the Lord, your God. You might have missed this, but this is the moment where I realized the widow actually did get the instructions. She said, I swear by the Lord, your God. How does she know he was the prophet? She knew. She's like, I swear by the Lord your God, I know you're here, I know God's instructed me, I know it's your God, but I want to let you know I can't do this, because if I do this, me and my son will die. So why would she not follow instruction? Because she was looking at her lack. Listen, it is a whole lot easier to be obedient in plenty. It's a whole lot tougher to be obedient in lack. In this moment, she was instructed, right, before Elijah left the Kareth Brook, he said, I've instructed a widow waiting for you to feed you when you get there. The problem is from the Kareth Brook to Zarephath is 85 miles. Some of you are like, I can drive that in an hour and 15 minutes. An hour if I'm on 55 because I run 78 just under 80 because I don't want to get pulled over by the cops, right? Like, <laughs> you rebels. But then it would take three and a half to four days to get there. 
So when the lady was instructed to feed Elijah, she probably had more food when the instructions came. But by the time Elijah got there, she was down to her last meal. What do we do when we're down to our last meal? She conserved it. She held it. She was in drought and famine, and she wasn't obedient. Why? It's easy to be obedient in plenty, but it's hard when you're down to your last meal. And for those who are serving right now, we love you and we thank you. It gets harder when you feel like you have less time. But listen, what we do in scarcity reveals what has top priority. What we do in scarcity reveals what has top priority. You can throw that up there. What we do in scarcity reveals what has top priority. You see, when we have a lack of something, we tend to cut out what's least important to us. Have you noticed this? When we begin to conserve energy, what are we doing? We cut off the lights. Kids, turn that light off! They're like, we live in the LED light world now. I don't care! No talking back! Turn those lights off! Right? We begin to cut off electricity. We begin to cut things off. Why? Because we need to save money. And so we begin to cut off things that are least important to us. And in this moment, she thought what was the least important was godly instruction. In this moment, what happened is she goes, listen, I know you spoke to me, but that was when I had plenty. But now that I have not, I need to cut out some things. And right now, I'm going to cut out what God asked me to do because I'm down to my last meal. And the reason, honestly, we don't serve, maybe in church, and this might be some of our excuses, is I have a lack of time. I have a lack of time, which gets, which baffles me that so many of us, including your pastor, have a lack of time, but we watch Stranger Things season three in a day and a half. <laughs> it's funny, but then we realize that our Facebook time and our Instagram time we cut out what's least important to us. I didn't get to my God time yesterday. Why? Because I did things that were more important to me. I, I don't have time to serve, even though I was instructed, because I have to do all these different things that are more important to me. You can say no, but it's what it is. Saying something is one thing. What you value is what you do. And I've realized in my life that we cut out lack of money. Blows my mind again. I just have a lack of money. I can't do this. I can't do that. But we can eat out every single night and buy clothes every weekend. I can buy a $4 coffee every single day. $4 getting a coffee, that's $24 a week. Take 24 times 52 and then go, <gasps> and tell me you have a lack of money. I'm just trying to say, guys, she was in lack. And instead of listening to the Lord's instruction, many of us, what we do is we begin to cut out what's least important to us. And for her, she said, my son living and me eating my last meal is the most important. And it makes sense. But that's if you forget this. Following godly instruction always leads to godly provision. When you get this down in your heart, when you get this down in your soul, when you believe that even though God asks you to be uh, obedient in hard situations, when you understand every time God steps in and he gives you instruction, you should cheer. Because if you're in lack or plenty, you know one thing. Wherever God is leading me, he's got something in store for me. If he's going to give me instruction, you better believe God's going to give me provision. Don't cut out the instruction. Don't cut it out. Because as soon as you cut out the instruction, you cut out God's provision. And some of us wonder why we haven't seen provision in our life because we haven't done what he's instructed us to do. You can have an unlimited mindset in a limited situation. Let me say, you can have an unlimited mindset in a limited situation. You know how? 
by looking to God. She was in the time of lack, and some of us don't serve, and we cut out these instructions, maybe give or be a part of what God's doing or um, pray for people. We cut out time with God. We cut these things out because they look least important to us, but the least important thing was actually the most important thing, and that was following God's instruction. Man, Jesus, he, his ministry was three years. He was here 33 years. His ministry was three years long. He had a lack of time. We don't know all he did, but we know that in those moments, he was preaching, healing, doing whatever he could to serve one another. He had a lack of time, yet he said we were more important to him. John 4.34, Jesus says this, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. I love this. My food is to listen to my father's instructions. My food is to do what my father has asked me to do. What satisfies and fills me. Now listen, food is good. That brisket was good. That, that pulled pork, that was good. Listen, I'm not saying food's a bad thing, but when it, comes down to, when it comes down to food or listening to God, I'm going with God every single time because that's what brings complete fulfillment. We have to understand that Jesus has said, I want to let you know one thing. Do you know what fills my stomach? Doing what my God asked me to do. It wasn't so, oh, I gotta do what God asked me to do. We have too many people in the church who begrudgingly do something that God asked them to do. You know what shows me when God gives us instructions and we complain about it? We don't know how good He is. Because at the moment God gives us instructions, we should be like, woo! He spoke to me, and if He's leading me somewhere, it's gonna be good. When God comes in, it might be hard, but it's always gonna be rewarding. And so she cut out that instruction. If I'm down to my last meal, Jesus said, this is what gives me food. So as we serve, we might look at what we lack. Maybe you feel like I can't serve because I'm not smart enough or I'm not talented enough or I can't do any of this stuff up here. And listen, don't look at your lack. Follow the instruction and watch God fill it with plenty. That's what happened in here. The second thing that we deal with, and there's two things, is little. We deal with lack and we deal with little. Now, I don't know what's so bad about little, all right, because I'm little, all right? I got a problem to pick with our culture because little gets overlooked every single day. But honestly, we look at the word little, and it's like, uh, insignificant. But God's word says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Little things. It, it was little things, right? Wasn't it a little baby who turned into the savior of the world? Little things, Oh, it's just a baby who will take the sins of the world. Little things. It was a little grave that Jesus would overcome. Little. I love what it says. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. He's like, listen, go ahead. You can have the gargantuan sub at Jimmy John's. I just want the slim one. If you haven't been there yet, you don't know what I'm talking about. But he's saying, just give me a little bit. Just a little bit first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. A little bread, a morsel, just a bite. God's grace is so big. Did you catch this? Listen, if, it was, if I was Elijah, if I was Christ, which I'm so glad, and you're glad I'm not. If I was, and the widow said, hey, I don't have enough food for you. I would have been like, Psh, give me that food. I'm out of here. Like, I would like run. I know what God told you to do. You better be doing it. Listen to this. Elijah stays 
and says, don't be afraid. I know you're scared right now. I know you feel like you don't have enough money. I know you feel like your son's going to die. I know this is hard. When you are scared to step out in faith, just know there's a God there who's cheering you on. He gives her another chance and says, let's try this again. Go ahead, make some food, just serve me first. It was a principle. It was teaching that obedience is better than sacrifice. That doing what God's asked you to do brings provision in your life. And Elijah gives her another chance. And if you're here today and you feel like you've missed out on godly instruction, I'm here to tell you today that God wants to give you another chance. That you can step back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. You know what I love about that scripture in Proverbs? It doesn't say, though a wicked man. It says, though a righteous man, which means if you've been found righteous in Christ, you will fall on your face. But a righteous person isn't dealt by if you fall, it's dealt if you get back up. And some of us need to get back up today and say, you know what, I've been running from this instruction, I've been running from what you asked me to do, but this is the moment I'm getting back up and I'm willing to be obedient even in my lack. And he gives her another opportunity. And listen, just because it looks like a little doesn't mean it isn't a lot. Just because it looks like a little doesn't mean it's not a lot. Elijah knew this. Because to us, it's like, it's just a bite of bread. Listen, a bite of bread, when you have four loaves of bread, is not a big deal. But when your wife looks at you, and she didn't order any food, and you ordered the food, and you're down to your last bite of that Philly cheesesteak, and she goes, is that good? And you're looking at her like, don't you dare, girl. Don't you even dare. I'm like, no, it's awful. It tastes like vomit. Can I have a bite? she winks cute. She might even say it in her southern accent, can I have a bite? I'm like, whoa, you can have all of it. Go for it. Can I have, anyways. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, babe. Uh, so, but think about it. A bite in the last meal is a whole lot. Elijah was asking a lot. Now, just in case you're here, you're like, well, that person serves once every whatever. Well, that person is a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, and she's trying to make ends meet, and she's trying to serve by making phone calls to first-time follow-ups. Don't leave looking at her like she's not doing a lot. Some of you are giving one week a month, and you can give four weeks a month, and she's giving one week a month, and you're judging her, and that's all she can do. But she said, God instructed me to do it. Oh, this is good. I'm getting business. Anyways, just because it looks like a little doesn't mean it's not a lot. Listen, it was a little offering that the woman gave, right? Two pennies that Jesus saw. And even though everybody else was giving large portions, he was moved by the widow who gave two pennies. Why? Because it was everything she owned. It was a little, but it was a lot. It was a little boy's lunch. I love little people like Zacchaeus and little boy. It was a little boy's lunch, a little lunch that fed 5,000 men and all of their family. It was a little lunch to us, but it was the boy's whole lunch to him. God says, will you give me the little? Will you give me what you have? But we look at our little and we think it's not big enough. He was asking a lot. And some of you, a little may be a lot, but I want to let you know one thing. We can't have a lot without a little. I know it's not deep preaching. Listen, we can't have a lot without a little because a lot is a whole bunch of a littles. Right? A lot is just a bunch of, everyone help me out, littles. You were, some of you men were too manly enough to do it. Come on, ready? You can't have a lot without a bunch of That was cute. That was really good. 
that was real good. Anyway, so we can't have a lot without a little. Elijah says in verse 15, so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Can I tell you one thing? God always asks a lot, but he promises a whole lot more. God always asks a lot, but he promises a whole lot more. I love that. What do you say? If you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. Some, some people are new to church like, what? That's like 13 reasons why stuff. What's going on? Spiritually, he's saying, stop being selfish. Live for Christ. Give him all your life. Why? Because then you'll find life. He, give up your life, but I promise you, you'll gain more. I love this about Jesus. You can't have a lot without a little. Elijah said, do this. She did it. He promised a lot. Listen, listen. What if the big things God wants to do in your life comes from the little things you don't want to do? What if the big things God wants to do in your life comes from the little things you don't want to do? She didn't want to serve him. She didn't want to make him food. She did not want him to give a bite. I did not want her to eat my Philly cheesesteak. Let it go, Sean. I did not... She didn't want to, but because she did it when it was hard, now there was enough food in the house to hold her over until the famine was over. It was the little thing she didn't want to do that led to the big thing God wanted to do. Have you looked at snowflakes before? Like, really, have you ever seen, like, a big snowflake? One snowflake falls, right, and we don't freak out. In North Carolina, they do, but in Illinois, we don't freak out. Why? Because we know one snowflake can't do anything. But if you get enough snowflakes, you can stop traffic. And what's one to let you know that you may think what you have is little and insignificant, but when we get a bunch of people in authentic church serving, it's like a bunch of snowflakes getting together, and we will stop the effects of hell trying to take over our town every single day. We got to band together. That's got a little. That's got a little. It's a bunch of a littles that lead to a lot. It may look like a little to you right now, but I promise you in God's hands, he can make it a lot. Listen, Sunday, guys, is a bunch of amazing people doing little things, making a big impact. That's what you're experiencing right now. You know why you love, I go to authentic church. I tell my friends, I encounter God. Man, it's so awesome. The worship, hopefully the message in Jesus' name. The kids area, the friendly people, the parking lot, it's so clean. The coffee, Jesus. But we wouldn't, I'm hyper today, I'm sorry. But we wouldn't have a big impact if it wasn't for a bunch of people doing little things. If they didn't grab the flags and put them out there in the front of the parking lot, if they didn't grab their batons and look like lightsabers moving through everything, if they weren't here at 7.30 brewing the coffee for you, if our team wasn't meeting, our volunteer teams, our managers and the kids there are meeting every single week to make sure your kids have the best environment that they can have. They're not getting paid for it. What are they doing? I have a little to offer, and if I add a little, and they add a little, and she adds a little, and he adds a little, and we add a little, this church isn't one pastor doing something that's huge. It's a bunch of people doing something that's small that leads to a big impact that's what we're doing as a church don't underestimate little everyone say little 
It's the little things that we despise doing that's leading to the big thing God wants to do to you. Can I tell you the little thing? This is for someone right now. This is a word that God put in my heart for someone in this place. Husband, pray with your wife daily. It's a little thing, I know. But you do it daily, watch it make a big impact in your marriage. Ooh, that's something right there. I love that. All right. You look at me like I'm crazy. Do it. Watch it work. Serving keeps things flowing in our house, in our house. She did it. The oil and the flour kept coming. This house will continue to flow. It was, the oil is actually a symbol of God's spirit. And, and when you see the oil in scripture, it reflects God's Holy Spirit. I love the fact that she served, and because she served, she didn't grieve the Spirit. The Holy Spirit not moving in churches is probably not as much about the pastor making a terrible joke or something that didn't happen right, as much as it is when people think that they can come and not contribute. God says, when we serve, the oil will flow. When we offer our hands, the oil will flow. We want to see a spirit of God and a revival we've never seen before. It's going to come from people who look like Jesus and get their hands dirty and serve people who don't look like you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Some of us also don't do the little things because we are, think we are a big deal. Well, that's good, Sean. That's cute, Gracie. You look so good back there. You're so little thing over there. You're junior high, right? Junior high doing this. Oh, those junior high kids. Oh, that's not adorable. Let's clap for them. Yay. And we sit. And we think it's like for them because I'm an adult and I run a company and I do this and I'm just too big for that stuff. Can we all agree that Jesus was a big deal? Yeah, he lived to serve. I love what people say when they're like, man, Sean, like we need to let the kids come into the worship environment on Sunday so they can see the parents worshiping. I told Cody that and he goes, you know what I would want to tell them? The parents need to come back here and see the kids worshiping. That's what they need to do. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> what was he saying? There's some people in here. Damn, they look like they just ate lemons before they came to church. <laughs> and there's kids back there. They understand. They're like, you know what? I'm free to dance. I'm free to live. I'm free to worship. God's been so good. My parents took care of my knees. Thank you for everything you do. I want candy. <laughs> Can we realize today that when it comes to serving, like, oh, that's cute, Gracie. We could learn something from Gracie. Oh, that's cute that you're serving me coffee, young man. You could learn something from that young man. You know what it is? Serving. If you are too big to serve, you are too small to lead. If you are too big for it, you're too small to lead. Because the best leaders are servants. The best leaders serve their staff, serve their people. And we want to create an opportunity for us to continue to serve. Jesus said it this way in Mark 10, 41. When the ten disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, I want to serve Sean, but you know the people were serving on the weekend? Jesus knew Judas, and he still washed his feet. Man, the true maturity of a believer is if not you can wash your friend's feet, but can you wash your enemy's feet? Jesus said, will you serve? Even if that girl from high school who hurt you shows up on Sunday, will you serve? 
Will you serve that person who is broken and hurting knowing that they need Christ? Will you serve? Jesus was a big deal, and he did the little things. The bigger you get, the littler you get. If serving is beneath you, I'm telling you one thing, leadership is beyond you. We have to learn to serve right where we are. So if you feel like it's something that's, oh, that's insignificant, we have people serving in all different areas. We have people serving as trustees. We have people serving, calling people throughout the week. We have people serving right now as we're talking. God is good. Now listen, I gave you two reasons many people miss the memo. Can I give you one reason why we should serve? I gave you two reasons why people missed the instructions. Should I give you one reason why you should? Anybody want that one reason? Like, no, please don't tell me I don't want it. Serving opens the door for God to work in your life. Serving opens the door for God to work in our lives. Now listen, we've read this whole story for a reason because if you didn't realize, she said, I'm going to make my last meal, we're going to eat, and we're going to die. And Elijah says, oh, just feed me first, and I promise you'll be okay. She does it, there's enough food, right? But what happens? The son dies. Oh, oh right? That, that's the moment where you like bank out like, what the heck? The son dies. But what's beautiful about this story is because the widow served Elijah, the prophet, who is actually a symbolism of God's presence and his voice, because he served, she served Elijah, he was in the house eating. He stayed there so he could eat. And while he was staying there, just so happens that this woman's son dies. But he says, why would you do this? He prays, and the son is revived. What if she didn't serve Elijah the food? What if she didn't serve Elijah the food? What if she didn't listen to instruction? Could it have been the whole time God was asking her to do something so small because he knew down the road? Her son would die. She says, why would you bring this tragedy? And God's saying, this isn't a tragedy. He would have been left dead, but thank God I brought a prophet. And she followed the instructions. I want to let you know, please hear my heart, because some of you feel like this. this. This is what they want from me. No, it's not. You don't have to serve. Do what you want. I'm preaching this because I want something for you. My life has been changed because of serving. In Tulsa, I interned and served, and God did this greatest work in me, and I believe when we serve, something supernatural happens. This is what the Holy Spirit led them to do, and because of it, the prophet was there to revive her son because she served. The food was great. The resurrection, whew. There's some things that God wants to resurrect in your life right now, and I believe it's going to come after you decide, I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to let God work in my heart. I'm going to let God work in my situation. Just like she did. We've been given instructions. We've been given these things. This is why we listen to godly instruction, because it always leads to godly provision. Worship team, come on up. This is going to be a very practical theme because when it comes to serving, people have so many questions. And I just want to hit a couple myths real fast because we talk about serving. Sean, if I'm new here, what does that mean? We have serving squads all throughout this place. From the day one, we've had people serving. Their time, giving their treasures, using their time and their gifts and their talents to serve the sage. And one thing that people say are these things. First myth, I don't have enough to offer. But remember, it's the little that leads to a lot. Some people believe this. I see this. Man, they got it covered. 
they got it covered. Do you know why you come in on the weekend and it looks like we got it covered? Because our squad members are amazing. That's why it looks, they do such a good job that it looks like, oh, we're good. We're good. Here's the truth, though. Even if we had it covered, it shouldn't be about that. God still instructed you to serve. I'd much rather have you serving once every three months because we have so many squad members that you have to serve every, once every three months. But we're not there because people are still holding out. And some of you may say, I can't serve on Sunday. Or I got to get my ducks together. And what do I do? Listen, if you just take this step, we have directors and pastors who want to lead you to the best area that could be qualified for you. You can shadow an area. You can talk with them. We just want to create an opportunity for you to serve. Why? Because we know the oil keeps flowing and it brings provision into your life. Is it easy? No! But what is rewarding that comes through easiness? So some of your questions may be like, will they work with my schedule? Yes. I don't even know what I want to help with. That's fine. We'll help you lead to that. Well, I know what to do. Our goal is to have you shadow and be taught and trained before you have to do it by yourself. Sean, I deal with anxiety, stress. It's a big thing with me right now. Can I encourage you? This is the best way to overcome your anxiety because you'll have people who will be cheering you on while you're doing it afraid, praying with you and encouraging you. So here's what we're going to do. If you could all help me, I want everyone to grab a connection card. Just right now. I'm not making you do this. I just want to show you this. Grab a connection card. This doesn't mean you're going to be serving. Just grab a connection card. They're right under your seats, right in the front row. We got you covered. Don't worry. Uh, grab a connection card. On this connection card, you see a few things. There's prayer requests that you can be praying for. But on here, you can fill your name out. And we're going to go into worship. Um, but before we do, we want to share a little vision on what we're looking for. Because I want to share the need with our church. Because it looks like we have it together. And God's used our amazing squad members who have worked hard very hard. But we believe God's going to bring more people into the kingdom of God this fall, and we got to be ready for them. And so we're believing for authentic kids. We're looking for 15 squad members that begin to start serving following the weeks to come. 15, because we're adding a new room. We need more space. We need more squad members. Production, people in the booth and all that stuff. It seems daunting. I'm telling you, they have it so well to where, well, Gracie's awesome. She's killing it. But they have it to where we can train you and lead you in that. We need four people in production. Looking for four. And this isn't just a hard line. We can go above. Ushers. I mean, we already have our ushers serving. And on top of what we have, we're looking for six more ushers to help with the rotation so people can have weeks on and weeks off and help with pushing this thing forward. And they don't complain about their keep moving forward. Our welcome squad, which is parking lot. It's cafe. It's, uh, it's uh, greeting. It's uh, first-time guests. It's the hub. All these areas, we're looking for people to serve in those areas. People, people. Pe people, people. People, persons. People social butterflies. Welcome squad. You can sign up in there. House squad. I can't do it on the weekend, but I would love to clean. You can join the house squad and help clean the house. We have amazing people who come in every single week and make sure this place looks excellent. And don't they do a good job? Isn't that awesome? So, so we are going to go into a time of worship. And what worship is, it's a response. That's what worship is. And I believe no better way to respond right now to the word than to ask God, God, I've been pushing this off. You know what? Right now, I can only give once a month. If that's what you feel I can do, start. You know what? I may not attend here all the time. I'm kind of bouncing between churches right now. Still serve. And we'll try to make it applicable with your schedule. If you're watching online, 
Maybe you're watching this week and you're going to a different church. I'm going to help your pastor out real fast. Surf. <laughs> Love you. All right. I blew my kiss. That's weird. A married man. <laughs> Stop. You're made. We got a time limit. All right. We got to get out for lunch. Yeah. During worship, if you want to start serving, we would love to have you. Not only is it something we want from you, it builds great, communi- it builds great community. Um, we'd love to have you a part of our church to make a difference in someone's life. So when you see baptisms, when you see salvations, you had a part of that. And nothing is more exciting than that. And so... Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. Move our hearts right now in this place to be obedient to what you want to do. Lord, we're grateful for it, Father God. Move us to obedience and whatever you have, we know that you have provision for us. Holy Spirit, help us not to fear or worry and not be afraid, but to give you first and to follow your instruction. In Jesus' name, amen. During this worship song, I want you to talk to God. And I want you to fill that out in obedience. And whatever God puts on you, when we dismiss today, there's bright silver drop boxes. Just drop the card in there. Even if you didn't fill it out, drop the card in there for us, please. Love you guys so much. Now Liz got it. Hey, someone got saved. Huh? I'm going to go say hi to him. you guys talk to them? Can you tell Liz to get the salvation moment? Yeah, just tell her. Just say, yeah.